Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, if you're excited and glad to be here tonight, why don't you jump on your feet and give him a shower of praise? Come on, you can do better than that. Give him another shower of praise. Please be seated. God bless you. Wow, this is an amazing night. Praise God. All right. Um, so many things I could do. I've been watching tonight and seeing all the different things that people are doing. There is a dance. There is singing. There is acting. And I thought of doing every one of this. So, I mean, by raising your hands, I want you to help me make a decision on which one to do. <laughs> by raising your hands. So how many of you would like me to dance? Let me see. Okay. All right. All right. How many of you would like me to sing? Oh, all right. Okay. I also heard that tonight somebody said their story. How many of you would like me to give you my unfiltered story? Okay, the fourth answer. So if you don't, one, two, three. The fourth answer is none of the above. <laughs> so I'm going to do none of the above. All I'm just going to do tonight is just to quickly talk to you about, okay, I'll tell you a bit of my story, but just really want to tell you about this story. Okay, I want to talk to you about, there's this thing that we see all the time around. It's one of the most recognizable symbols in the world. I want to talk to you a little bit about the symbol. So I want to talk to you tonight about the man on the cross. The man on the cross. First, I want to appreciate every one of you that are here in the hall, in the sanctuary, those in the overflow, those that are standing. I appreciate every one of you. And those joining us online, I appreciate you. Please settle down and just give me a few minutes just um, to talk to you very briefly about the man on the cross. So please, let's just settle down and let's hear this. A quick word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We honor you for this. We give you the praise forever and evermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, many of us have seen this picture several times. How many of you have ever seen this picture before? The man on the cross. You've seen that? Come on, let me see your hands up high there. All right, good, very good. So we've all seen this picture of the man on the cross different, different times in our lives. We've also even seen people wearing the crucifix, what we call the crucifix. That is the man on the cross. You put it on the chain, you put it, you know, you wear it. We've seen people wearing that. The question then is, what does it mean? What does it signify? What does it signify when you see people wearing the crucifix? When you see pictures like these and you see paintings like that also, what does it mean? Very quickly, I'm going to give you three perspectives, three views of this very quickly. The first view, when you see this picture or you see the cross, when you see the cross, what does it mean when you see the cross? 
The first view is the contemporary view. That is the modern day view. That is the view of today. When people think about the cross today, people think about the symbol of Christianity. So when you see the cross, it immediately reminds you of church or something to do with Christianity. Am I right? Come on, Ignite Church. Am I right? All right. So it tells you about the church. So for some people from a marketing point of view, this is a logo. It's a logo for Christianity. It's one of the most recognizable logos in the world. Just like when you see the check mark, you know, oh, this is Nike. Okay, when you see the, 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 the marble arch, you see, oh, this is McDonald's and, and so on and so forth. You know, when you see the confusing logo, you say, oh, this is Meta or Facebook, whatever it's called. You know, so when you see the cross, you think of, oh, Christianity, all right, church, or oh, something like that. So that's the contemporary view. However, the story of the cross originally happened about 2,000 years ago. So the second view then is, as at the time it happened 2,000 years ago, the original set of people that were there when the story of the cross actually happened, when this man actually hung on this cross in history, the people that were there originally at that time, what did it mean to them? So I'd like you to listen very carefully. You see, as at the time the story of the cross happened, when this man was hanging on the cross, the land of Israel, historically, as at that time, was under the occupation of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was being ruled by a Caesar, an emperor, and the land of Israel had been conquered and they were under a Roman, the Roman Empire. So in other words, it was a colony of Rome. Now, in the, the, way, in the structure of colonization, the emperor stays at the capital of the colonizing power. So in this case now, Rome. So the emperor doesn't leave Rome. The emperor is in Rome, all right? But they now appoint a governor over this colonies, the different colonies. So in this particular case, the emperor was still in Rome. The governor appointed by the emperor is a man called Pontius Pilate. So he was the governor over the land of Israel as at that time. Now, please listen carefully. The way the law worked when this happened was that when you have people do some, commit some crimes and all of that, you know, depending on the level of the crime, okay, people have, just like we have today, there's a graduated system of punishment, depending on the level of the crime. So if somebody had a petty crime, you know, pickpockets and things like that, there was a graduated system of punishment. For somebody to, the death penalty was the highest level of punishment, the death penalty was the highest level of punishment. And that level of punishment can only be signed off on or approved by the governor, the representative of the emperor of Rome. Is anybody following? All right. Now, so when somebody is sentenced to death, there are different ways in which that sentence can be carried out. Just like today, in America, when somebody is sentenced to death, they can die by lethal injection, they can die by um, other means, electric chair, and so on. 
in the days when this story happened, when someone is sentenced to death, the most gruesome, that is, the most gruesome method to, to bring about, to implement that death sentence, okay, which is reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst of offenders, is what is called crucifixion, which is what you see here. Crucifixion, that is somebody having been beaten mercilessly, already bleeding, and the person is now hanging on the cross, okay? The person is expected to eventually, okay, die through so much of bleeding, okay, loss of blood, and eventually the lungs will collapse. They won't be able to breathe because on their own weight, and they will die. But it takes time. It's, it's a very slow way of dying. So this method of death was rarely used. And when it was used, it was only approved for the most serial, serial offenders, serial criminals. That means people that have been there have been offenders, 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 offenders. They've offended for a long time, over a long period of time. Then there's a crucifixion. It is the last of the last. So when somebody is hanging on the cross, when you see somebody hanging on the cross or being crucified, as at the time this story happened, it means judgment. Judgment, judgment. So you can see it's a legal judgment that has been passed on the person and it means the person has offended. Are you still following all right. Means the person has offended not just once, but serially. And because the person has offended serially, judgment has now come upon the person. And normally, crucifixion is never done secretly. It's done publicly in a public place. Okay? Now, that is the second point of view. So when you see this man hanging on the cross right now, you are looking at judgment right there. A lot of false judgment is happening to him. All right. Now, in the case of this particular man hanging on the cross there, the question is this. Because for this judgment to be passed, the man will have gone through different layers of court process. The final court he goes through is he will have, in part of the due process, he will have a face-to-face -face interrogation with the governor of the land. In this case, once again, Pontius Pilate. And based on his own testimony and the testimonies of other people, the governor will make a judgment to say, okay, is this man at fault? Is he not at fault? Everybody will be given an opportunity to speak. The, the prosecutors will be given an opportunity to speak, the accusers, and of course, the accused will also be given an opportunity to speak. And on the judgment of the governor, the Pontius Pilate now, he will now decide and say, yes, I found this man guilty, and as a result of that, I sentence him to death, and I sentence him to death by crucifixion. That is the only way the crucifixion could happen. So in the case of this particular man, let's find out what Pontius Pilate said after he interrogated him in the court setting, okay, in John chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. John chapter 19, Verse 1 to 6. This is going to be on the side screens and you can follow. So the Bible says, Pilate took Jesus and scorched him. All right? And the soldiers twisted the crown of thorns and put it on his head. 
and they put on him a purple robe. Then they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him with their hands. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I'm bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Pilate said, listen, I've interrogated him, I've looked at the evidence, I've checked the evidence, I've looked at what the accusers are saying, what the prosecution is saying, I've looked at it and I find no fault in him. Verse 5, then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe and Pilate said to them, behold the man. So at this point, what Pilate was trying to do at this point is that Pilate has interrogated, interrogated him. The man had no fault. Pilate was about to release him to them. To say, you know what, this is the man. Have you found any fault with him, in him? Let him go. In verse 6, however, therefore when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him, but I find no fault in him. In other words, Pilate said, I haven't found any fault in him, no fault whatsoever in him, but the people wanted him to be crucified. So Pilate signed off on it. So he was being judged here now for no fault of his. He was being judged for no fault of his. He was being publicly exhibited for everybody to see him as the most, the, the worst kind of offender, a serial offender for no fault of his. So that begs the question, why? Why did he allow that? Why did this level of injustice happen? Which leads us to the third point of view. The first point of view is that the cross represents a symbol. The second point of view is that it represents judgment. What's the first point of view again? What's the second point of view? Judgment. Which leads us to the third point of view. The third point of view is that from God's point of view. What was God looking at? When people that were there physically on that day, when they were looking at Jesus on the cross, they saw judgment. When God was looking at Jesus on that day, this picture represents the third point of view, the mercy and the love of God. How? How can the three views be different? One set of people are seeing judgment, another set of people, and from God's point of view, this is the mercy and the love of God. So let me explain the, to bridge the gap. While from one person's point of view, this is judgment, no doubt about that. But from God's point of view, this is the judgment that you and her should have had. But the mercy of God had allowed somebody that was innocent and found to be innocent to be a substitute to carry that judgment and that penalty on themselves so that the person that had been found guilty can be free. So Romans chapter 3 from verse 23 to 25. Look at what it says in the Living Bible translation. Romans chapter 3 
verse 23, 24, and 25. The Living Bible Translation. Yes, all have sinned. Everybody. All has fallen short of God's glorious ideal. Yet now, God declares us not guilty. How is he able to do that? Not guilty of offending him if we put our trust in Christ Jesus, who in his kindness freely takes away our sins. Keep going, next, next one. For God sent Jesus Christ to take the punishment for our sins and to end all God's anger against us. He used Christ's blood and our faith as the means of saving us from his wrath. That's what the cross really means. That's what the man of the cross really stands for. So every time we see the man on the cross or you see the crucifix or you see the man on the cross, it's representing the love and the mercy that God is extending towards you. To say, you and I are serial offenders of the laws of God also. We were guilty, but the cross, the man on the cross, it won't give God the legal permission to say, you and I are justified. Justified means not guilty. To declare us not guilty because the punishment for our sins have been paid, had been carried away by this man on the cross. It was brutalized. It was fiercely dealt with so that the wrath of God over us can be taken away. And the Bible says when we put our trust in Jesus Christ now, then we're able to embrace the mercy. Now listen very carefully to this. Every single person is going to interact with the cross, this cross. Everybody's going to interact with it. Everybody ever created. You have two options. This is the cross standing in front of you. You can ignore it and move away from it. Once you do that, what you're basically saying is that I want God to judge me based on my own goodness. I want God to judge me based on my own standing. And the Bible says nobody meets his standards. When you bypass the cross, that's what you're really saying. Another set of people, look, you look at the cross and you embrace the mercy and the love of God. And when you do that, God says, all right, regardless of what you have done, I won't see you for you. I will see you for Christ. And based on what Christ has done, I will declare you not guilty. Whatever punishment you ought to have received is all Christ already took the price, paid the price for you. Friends, you know, this is what happened to me some 27 years ago in 1995. It was on a Thursday evening on the 8th of June. In a very small setting in the city of London in England. I was invited into a meeting, small meeting in the basement of a church. City Temple in Holborn, London, England. I was coming from a point whereby, you know, I'd come out of university, I got a very good job, I had a personal car, uh, an official car, I had quite things were going on well for me. I had studied pharmacy in the university. Things were going on really well for me. Then I traveled to London, England, and I had entered into some rough weather. 
hurricane category 5 and a pretty lady had invited me to come to a church setting and I said to myself why not who knows things might develop from there I remember I sat at the back of the church thinking to myself I have so much challenges. Where do I start from? There was a lady that was singing on the stage. Almost as I entered the church. She was singing a simple song. This is holy ground. We're standing on holy ground. And I said to myself, this better be holy ground. Because I'm coming in here with a lot of unholy problems. And the man that was speaking was, you know, was a medical doctor. He, was, he spoke about a lot of things. I can't really remember what he was saying. I must be honest with you. But I do remember how I felt. Within me, I felt God loves me and he had a plan for me. That this is my time to make a decision. Something told me right there that I have to be decisive that night. I don't know why. But I just felt it in me that I needed to be decisive that night. That this was a moment in destiny of decision. While the man was rounding up, he gave us an opportunity to make a decision. And I did. It was later on that they were telling me that other people actually came out with me to make that decision. That there were others. I, I, I did not realize that. I felt, I thought I was the only one. I just knew I had to make that decision that night. And I did. It was on the 8th of June, 1995. A little over 27 years ago. As I stand here before you today, before God, I have never regretted that decision. It was the best decision I ever made best decision I ever made and because God always does exceedingly abundantly far above that which you ask or think that pretty lady that invited me well you know how the story ended <laughs> you know so tonight listen friends one of the things I found out about people that become great in life, people that give full expression to their destiny, one of the, one of the common characteristics amongst them is that they're decisive people. They don't look at their friends to make a decision. They know it when they have to make a decision in destiny. They know when they have to step out and say, you know what, I'm making a decision. Just like on that day in 1995, I was a little bit confused. I had a bit of challenges here and there. And I'm going to pray for, for people in that category in a few minutes. But before I do that, I know that there is somebody here. It might be only one person. And that's okay. Just one person it might be that is yet to make a decision to embrace the man on the cross. To embrace the love and the mercy of God. Now, one of the biggest deceptions in life is to say to yourself, I still have time. 
I still have time. Oh, I still have time. I'm still young. When I gave my life to Christ, I was in my 20s. I still have time. The truth is this. Listen. You don't have as much time as you think you do. Why do I say that? Because you don't control the time. Neither do I. None of us controls the time. What we control is our decision. Successful people in life are those that focus on what they can control and not what they cannot control. It's a terrible plan to plan on what you can control. You plan on what you can control. What can I control? What you can control tonight is the decision you want to make tonight. That you control. So, I want to pray for somebody here that is a decisive person with all heads bowed. Let's bow our heads in respect of Jesus the Christ. There's somebody that is here tonight. You're saying to yourself, you know what, Pastor? I want to embrace the love and the mercy of God. I, I don't want to be the one to say to God that he should judge me. I don't want to say to God that he should judge me by my actions. I just want to embrace the love and the mercy of God. I don't want to reject the love and mercy of God. Somebody is under the authority of my voice in the overflow, standing somewhere in the lobby, or here in this sanctuary, or perhaps watching online, and you want to make that decision tonight. Please give me the privilege of praying a short prayer with you. If you're here, you're saying, Pastor, I just want to embrace the mercy and the love of God. I would love to pray with you very briefly. Wherever you are seated, standing, please just wave your hand. Let me see your hand and I'm going to be praying for you in a few minutes. Wherever you're seated, you're saying, yes, I would like to, yes, thank you for those hands. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Wherever you're seated, be decisive. Be decisive. Be decisive. Very good. Somebody else is saying, Pastor, you know, I, made, I, know, I know I made this decision some years ago, some months ago, but along the line, some things happened. Pastor, is a long story, but some things happened, and I can tell you, Pastor, if I want to be honest with myself, I want to be sincere, that I've not followed up on that decision. I cannot truly say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What the Bible talks about then is that for somebody in that category, you can rededicate your life. You're given another opportunity by God to embrace his love and mercy. Please listen carefully. God is not condemning you. God is not condemning you. No matter how far gone anybody is, this is still the season to embrace the love and the mercy of God. If you fall into one of those two categories, I want to pray for you. Can I see your hand, please, up? Can I see your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now listen to me very carefully. My friends, listen to me. And please listen very carefully. And I know sometimes this can be a difficult part of the whole process. I get it. I get it. It could be a difficult part of the whole process. Because right now what you're doing is you're making a very, very personal decision. There's just something about God 
as revealed in scripture it says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth there is something about God when it comes to our faith in God our decision we've made for God that God respects it because it is personal but much more so God affirms and establishes it only when it is made public so yes it's personal but it has to be made public in other words it has to be before God who sees your heart yes but it also has to be before men so if your hand is up or you still want to join those that put up their hand I want you to take just one step of faith tonight wherever you are Please, I'd like you to stand up. Come and join me. I'm coming down here right now. And come, let's pray together. Just a short word of prayer. Come, come, come over. Come over, stand up. Come, come and join me. Let's pray a word of prayer together. Come on. Let's say a short word of prayer together. Please keep coming. Keep coming wherever you are. Wherever you are, come, come, come. Please come and say, stand together here. Come in. Come on. Everything let's keep clapping for them. Let's appreciate them. Keep coming, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming wherever you are. Keep coming. If you still want to join us, you can join us. Keep coming. Thank you, Lord. Yes, you can still make it's not too late. You can join us. It's not too late. You can join us. It's not too late. I want to congratulate you for the decisions you're making today. I'd like you to say this very simple prayer after me. Mean it with all of your heart. You can place one of your hands on your heart just as is, you know, if, if, if you want to. It's not mandatory, but if you want to, it might just make it easier for you to concentrate. Just say this simple prayer. Thank you so much. It's not too late. You can always join. Thank you. Thank you. Please just say this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. On the third day, you rose from the dead. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Take away my sin and help me to live my life in a way that is pleasing to you. Amen. Let me say a short word of prayer for you. Father, all these ones that have come to you today, as you've said in your word, that those that come to you, you will never reject them. But you will accept them in the beloved. I pray you will accept them in the beloved in Jesus' name. As you've said in your word, Father, I pray that from this day, Lord, according to your word, they are justified by the blood of the Lamb. And I pray that you will establish them in your kingdom. And that the original destiny that you have for them, you purpose for them, that it will have full expression in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just one second. I would like to shake hands with you. Just one second. I'd like you to just feel the card in your hand, please. And you can take it back. Oh, take it back from you. Um, please just fill that card very quickly. She doesn't have a pen. Can you give her a pen, please? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So while you're doing that, please, and you're still going to hear more about this, and we're going to send some, some information to you also on this. We're going to be having water baptism. Okay. 
um, in a few weeks, we're having the water baptism, but we are, first, before we do that, we're going to have the next steps meeting, just, just about one hour virtual meeting, okay? You get all the information. It's coming, that is coming up on the 12th of October, just a one hour meeting virtual. You get the link, it's on the 12th of October, and then we can, we can just connect just for one hour. You can ask any questions about this journey, the, what the next steps are. You want to know a bit more about God. I'll be conducting that meeting. It's on the 12th of October at 7 p.m. So you can join me as you do that. Okay. Please, can I have the honor of shaking hands with you? You're welcome to the kingdom of God. Bless you. You're welcome to the kingdom of God. You're welcome to the kingdom of God. You're welcome to the kingdom of God. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Come on, Ephesians, give them a big round of applause as they go take their seat. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can go take your seat. Thank you so much. All right. Very quickly, I just want to wrap up my session there. Before I come back, I get to change to a new costume to come and dance. You want to let me to dance, right? <laughs> All right. I just want to pray quickly for somebody that was like me on that night, on the 8th of June. I know that... Um, PTA prayed for us and she prayed for three categories of people. I just want to pray for one, just one category, one, one set, set of people. You're here right now. You're a little bit confused about what you want to do. I was like that on that 8th of June, 1995. I was confused. And, and I, I'm, normally I'm not the type of person that is ritually confused. I, 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 I'm a kind of like a street guy. I know what you want to do next. But that particular night, I've been overwhelmed by challenges. I was confused. I didn't know what to do next. But after that particular meeting and Christ came into my heart, one of the ways we describe Christ is that he's the light of the world. Suddenly, light came into me. And I was able to know what next steps to do. I didn't hear the voice of God or anything, but I just knew this is the next step to take and I had the confidence to take that step so you're here today you're saying to yourself you know I'll get to just be honest with myself I really am battling with a little bit of confusion here and there there's nothing to be shy about I want to pray for you where are you let me see your hand if you're like that let me see your hand please stand with mm-hmm. Father, these are your people, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And here they are today, just like I was on that cold Thursday evening in London, England. On the 8th of June 1995, confused, scared <laughs> about what life is going to be like for me. These ones are here today, Father. They're taking a step of faith by just standing up. I'm praying for them today, Father, by the grace you have made available here today. Whatever is bringing about this cloud of darkness over them that is bringing about confusion. I pray, Father, that by the wind of your spirit, it be blown away tonight in Jesus' name. 
I pray, Father, Jesus is the light of the world. Let light break forth in their inner man in Jesus' name. Let them know exactly what to do next in Jesus' name. You said in your word that you would teach us and instruct us in the way that we should go and guide us with your eye. I pray, Father, in a way that they can't explain by the time they sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow morning concerning the dominant issues they're facing today, Father, let them know the way out of it in Jesus' name. Where they don't have options, give them options in Jesus' name. Options, areas they've not looked at, oh God. Father, open them up to those areas in Jesus' name. In some, some of them that need you to send people into their lives to be channels of the ideas that will be winning ideas. I pray, Father, you will send these people to their lives within the next one week in Jesus' name. Thank you for the amazing testimonies they're going to be having that will resonate around the whole world. We give you the praise forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Come on, Ephesians 2022. Put your hands together and give Jesus a big, 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 big shout.